And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Dr. John Vance, former pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern, now living in West Virginia. Pastor Vance, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I hope you are. Yes, yes, sir. Prior to opening the mic, Pastor Vance, you suggested that we talk about the ministry of the church in times like these. So without further ado, Pastor Vance, why don't you start us off? Well, I've thought a great deal about, as everyone has, about uh, the times we live in. Uh, There is a wonderful expression, I don't know which tribe, the tribe of Naphtali, I think, was told that they were given understanding in the times in which they lived. I'll, I'll have to look that up. It's in the Sure. Leviticus, I think. But uh, I do pray that God will give us a uh, an understanding of the day in which we live. It's important if we are to uh, go forward and uh, to please Christ and do his will. Um, but anyway, we, we are in somewhat of a mess, Dan, as you know. Mm. We are in a mess, a serious mess. I, I, I For a while I kept saying, well, you know, <laughs> this is just the normal... Uh, give and take in politics and so forth, but it's it's revealed itself to be something quite more ominous. Yeah, it's and, true. Um, uh, we we are uh, at at a crossroads. I've never said that before uh, about uh, you know I've lived quite a long life thus far. Mm-hmm. I want to live a, little, a lot longer, but <laughs> and I hope so. Uh, I've seen a lot and I've observed politics uh, all my life. Uh, the first time I was engaged in politics was as an 11-year-old sitting in front of the TV watching uh, the Republican convention. I believe it was in the Cow Palace in San Francisco when Dwight Eisenhower was nominated uh, during that time, and I became interested in politics from that time on, and I've always kept an eye on it, even when I was a very wayward teenager and young man. Hmm. I always kept my eye on politics. But I think I've observed uh, over my span of my life a a tremendous change in America and uh, in its culture and certainly in its politics. It's never been as mean and uh, it's never been as much about power as it is today. Yes, that word mean seems to really capture things well. Um, very mean-spirited uh, interchanges are taking place. Um, you also, uh, in your experience, um, besides being a pastor full-time, um, you were also a part-time professor uh, teaching world religions, so you kind of got a good dose of what's out there in this world without losing your faith, and for some people, they can't do that. And so uh, it's it's... It seems to me when you study these other religions, uh, you, you do it with a certain caution so that uh, Satan doesn't get a foothold and that you stay true to Christ. But you've seen a lot. Um, I wonder if there's any intersection between some of the other world religions and um, what we're going through right now. It's important. Yes, I, I've, I've taught 25 years uh, as an adjunct. Uh, in three institutions, I've 
retired from teaching as a lecturer meant that meaning that I had a certain status to teach these religions and so forth. But I've taught religion and philosophy. Uh, I've, I've uh, looked at uh, certain periods in in life in our own country, uh, in our own Western history, uh, particularly from the Enlightenment to the present. And I've also taught world religions. And I've observed that that religions are at the basis of culture. Um, if they say culture is upstream from politics, and it is, then religion is upstream uh, from uh, culture, because cultures are based on, uh, really, the great cultures in the world are based on religions, Hinduism, uh, Buddhism, uh, Confucianism. Uh, Christianity, Islam, they are at the base of these great world cultures. And uh, they provide a, a way of seeing life or understanding life. And and Christianity is unique among these in that it has been the basis for the most prosperous and scientifically oriented and successful uh, countries in the world. Uh so, yes, I've seen those things, and teaching helped me uh, to see that more clearly. But uh, I, I would mention about our own country. Uh, there was a lady who asked Ben Franklin when he uh, – she I think he visited his home. There are many stories about this, but she asked him uh, a simple question. She says, uh, well, doctor, what if we got a republic or a monarchy? And he said, well, a republic – if you can keep it. Yeah. And uh, uh, furthermore, John Adams just just kind of set the founding and the way the founders thought about our country. We'll see how far we've, we've drifted from this. John Adams says our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. He went on to say it's wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Mm. So religion is terribly important, and Christianity has been at the heart of our culture uh, since the founding, when they talked about religion and uh, the founders, they were not talking about any and every religion. They were only talking about Christianity. <laughs> right. And they knew that if if we lost our soul in this area, we would lose the country. And um, in, in surveying these kinds of things, uh, uh, it seems like we did a pretty good job keeping the republic because we, we were basically had a Christian outlook. People specifically may not have been Christian, but there was kind of a Christian consensus, to use Francis Schaeffer's words, where people agreed what was right and what was wrong. Um, they were on the same page, uh, on the same wavelength, and that, that probably held true up until World War One. And World War One changed America. It was the war to end all wars, but it, it let loose in our country, let's let's talk about the U.S. A, a different spirit, that, uh, and and then following World War II, we saw a very different approach to life, and it and it it kind of laid the the uh, if you will the seeds for what took place in the sixties. Mm. I think the sixties the most pivotal period uh, in my lifetime, if not in uh, at least in the last hundred years in American history, because. Our culture was fundamentally uh, attacked. It was um, a, a revolution in itself. It was a kind of a revolution 
and a lot of the the uh, radicals took over in our universities and they yeah. have been teaching our young people for for generations now yeah um today we're talking with pastor john vance a former senior minister of westminster presbyterian church in rock tavern new york now living in west virginia and we're talking about our society and some of the observations what about this huge question, Pastor Vance? Um, you are very familiar with the ministry of the church, and um, you talked a little bit about this this time that we're going through right now in America. What kind of a ministry would be helpful for the church to have as it works? I want to say finds its way, but that, that isn't quite the words as it works with um, this post-Christian, quote-unquote, <laughs> culture, uh, even even almost a post-constitutional society, what, what advice might you give to ministers out there that are working their heads off, you know, in the midst of COVID and, and people fighting each other, essentially, uh, media stirring things up? Any advice for... Maybe a younger minister that is really struggling today. Uh, you're right to cite uh, the Constitution and Christianity. We do live in a post-Christian, post-constitutional society. There's, there's no, and actually a post-liberal society. Liberal meant basically what conservatives mean today before uh, the '60s. It was free speech, uh, freedom of religion, and so forth. But we've become uh, radical and leftist. Um, yes. Uh, what 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 are we to do? That that is a good question. Uh, how shall we then live? Was I'll quote Francis Schaeffer again: <laughs> "In a world like ours, how should we then live?" Well, um, I think we have to once again, as Christians, uh, believe in the church the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the ministries that emanate from it. And uh, like, like Redeemer Broadcasting, uh, Redeemer uh, is, is a ministry uh, that supports the local church and uh, directs people there. Uh, it's not just enough to be an individual Christian, so no. to speak. I'm, I'm retired, and I live here in West Virginia, and I know there's a lot of people uh, say that they are Christians, but they, they don't affiliate with any church. They'll just say, I believe. It's it's probably, I think I read the statistics where it's the one state that has the most unchurched people who claim to be Christian of some oh, sort. Oh, well, that's interesting. And uh, so there there is a sense in which there's no appreciation for the church in many quarters in our society. And I think we have to, first of all, begin to believe with the creeds to believe in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would say simply to those who are listening that if you've received Christ as your head and your Lord, certainly you must be incorporated into his body. Yes. I say that for this reason. Augustine made a, a very profound statement, St. Augustine in the fourth century, when he says, I would not have God as my father if I did not have the church as my mother. Hmm. The church is uh, a mother and a teacher. It is the bride of Christ. It's, it's, uh, it's a nurturing 
institution. And it's where we learn our faith. It's where we learn what uh, God is about. But, and God has revealed himself uniquely in the person of Jesus Christ. And we are to study Christ. The scripture says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So we have to get our minds right about the church and about the teachings of the Christian faith. Because we live in a world where we're being assailed on every side. And it takes a mind that is fixed upon Christ and his church to be able to withstand the assaults that are taking place on not only our country, but Christians and the church. So I, I would say that we, we, we have to turn to the ministry of the church, and the church can do uh, several things. Number one, it must, again, exercise its function as a teaching institution. You know, I find I'm attending a church now. It's not of my own denomination or my will. It's my mother's church that she grew up in. I won't name the denomination, but uh, it's almost a non-teaching church. It's a feel-good uh, traditional church. They, they talk about things. It's mildly liberal. But I do. The young minister is a good minister, uh, and and we we worship and receive uh, the Lord's Supper, uh, which is a great comfort. Uh, but but it's uh, uh, actually I'm appalled at the at the general ignorance of the people about the great truths of the Christian faith. Hmm. And so we have to start there in in our pastors making sure that they're teaching the scriptures because they're able to make us wise unto salvation. And not only that, they're able to make us wise about what's going on around us, because you begin to see a contrast between right and wrong, a category that we've lost. And so we need the teaching ministry of the church to know what is right and what is wrong, what is God's will and what is not. That's that's where I would start. Yes. Uh, that's what a young minister should do or anybody entering the ministry. Uh, we, we do live in a post-Christian world, and we need that. But also, uh, we need fellowship. Fellowship, uh, I've discovered through the years, I used to think correct doctrine, and if we had to worship just right and everything, that people would be attracted to it. You know what people are attracted to in churches? It's the people. Amen. Fellowship. That's the first thing that they, they connect with is, is uh, uh, do, do I like these people? Uh, are they welcoming? Uh, can we uh, strengthen each other? And so fellowship becomes very important. You know, um, I was thinking about this. I thought you might ask something like this, Dan. You, you always are perceptive about these things. But I, I went back and looked at Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And listen to the way the early church conducted themselves. Quote, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, just what I've been talking about, and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, Mm -hmm. and to prayers. So fellowship becomes extremely important to strengthen our families and to nurture our children in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Greek word is koinonia. It's having to do with each other. In fact, the word koinonia in the New Testament is used to describe the act of shaking hands. Mm. We, we share in each other. We agree with each other. Uh, 
and we study our faith together in Christ, on every occasion that the church meets, it's fellowshipping, to hand out food or to worship and take the Lord's Supper. I'm glad you mentioned that. It it brings back a memory not too long ago. Um, my son and his wife, and now they have three children, um, in the early days um, was so welcomed at uh, Westminster Church by a young couple. Um, she's from Ghana, and he's um, from, uh, I forget what country he's from, and they just, as it were, put their arms around uh, our son and daughter-in-law and truly, and I mean deeply and truly, welcomed them uh, with feeling and sincerity, and uh, that made a big difference and made them feel comfortable there in the church. And then I can think of something very recent that I heard about, I haven't witnessed, but um, some of the fellas, call it a band of brothers, if you will, at the church, organically, just naturally, uh, you know, after the service is all over with, after fellowship or whatever, or during or whatever, um, they just um, get together and they sing together. <laughs> they, they, just, they just sing uh, the, the hymns of the church, some psalms and and um, they're really enjoying that, and and it's just a that's just a natural outflowing of the love of Christ and the communion of the saints. And I haven't even seen it; I've just heard about it. And apparently, the fellows are really enjoying themselves uh, doing that. And so, yes, the the fellowship of the saints is uh, is a wonderful thing. Um, sometimes I wonder about those who are um, locked down. Um, perhaps it's a senior who has a broken hip. Uh, she or he is um, very, very uh, tied to their home. Uh, some are now in nursing homes. It must be extremely difficult to get that same sense of the fellowship of the saints, especially if you start going drifting down the path of, oh, nobody cares for me, nobody comes to visit me. And these are very real and, and trying feelings that that the senior may experience no question the the uh, the virus has attacked our health but it's also attacked the fellowship of the church oh yes and uh it's been accentuated by poor public policy and how to deal uh this lockdown business uh we could debate that uh but it seems to me that uh politics has entered into it uh to the extent that uh, it's been used as a way to gain power, political power. But that aside, yes, uh, this lockdown and uh, the way some of the states have gone about this has certainly uh, hurt the fellowship of the church. Mm. And, and among our weak members or our members that may be uh, more vulnerable, like young people, we, we, we forget the, the, the damage that has been done to our young people in their oh, psyche. Yeah. A, a young person's time uh, is different than an older person's. I notice my days go by very quickly. But a young person, <laughs> I can remember having to wait on something like Christmas or having to wait on uh, going back to school or, or going, joining sports. I, I can remember two <laughs> weeks out from the start of school and getting <laughs> to play football, basketball. It was like an eternity. 
Yes. And and some of these young people have committed suicide. The suicide rate is way up among young people. And and that's as a consequence of not having uh, the opportunity to have just normal fellowship apart from the church, much less the need for fellowship in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Uh, so, yes, young and old have been, well, all of us have been affected by the lack of fellowship uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, hugging each other, shaking hands, talking to each other, laughing, seeing the expressions on your neighbor's face, things uh, like that have hurt. Yeah, yep, so true. Today we're talking with Pastor John Vance, and he's heard on Redeemer Broadcasting uh, during the week on uh, one of our features, and he was a minister at Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern, New York, for many years. How many years were you there? Uh, Pastor Vance, uh, you know I, it was over forty. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, that's a long time. I don't know. That's a long Somewhere time. In that neighborhood, Somewhere in that neighborhood. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, forty-two, maybe forty. Forty-two. Yeah. Let's, let's see. Well, from nineteen seventy-three until okay, uh, two thousand and. 13 or 14. I don't know how long that is. <laughs> it's funny how how difficult it is to figure these things out, and I'm not good at yeah. math anyway. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the church has a has kind of a record of long pastorates, and uh, you kind of upheld that uh, upheld tradition. That. Yeah. The yeah. first pastor pastored 63 years. Wow. That's remarkable. <laughs> uh, J.R.R. Thompson. Yeah. Uh, so neat. And yes, yes. The third thing I would say the church has to do if, before we close here is uh, is is worship. You know, notice in that passage it says that they they broke bread and had prayers. That's a worship service. They were serving the Lord's Supper. Yes. Uh, and I'd say briefly that what you worship, you become. Oh, so, so true. If, if you are not worshiping the living God through Christ, uh, you become something else. And that's why idolatry is probably the number one sin in the scriptures. If you read Isaiah, particularly 4350, idolatry uh, becomes an extraordinary uh, evil in the life of Israel. It, it continues to depart and lose its culture. Yes. Uh, and and uh, the loss of Christianity uh, does not bode well. It is the loss of our culture, and finally it devolves into what our politics has become today, a, a, a power uh, game. Uh, it is not so much designed for the good of the people. The word politics comes from the word polis, which means the way the city works. Mm-hmm. Well, when it becomes a power struggle, it does not work out for the people, and no. that's what's happened uh, in our society. In the last couple of minutes remaining, um, let's focus on something that's kind of a uh, a problem. It can be a blessing, and that is distractions. And um, I think young people, and maybe some older ones too, especially are, are know what this is about when you have a, a cell phone, and they're not evil, they're fine, I use mine a lot, um, I may use it too much, but um, suppose a person brings that cell phone into the service of worship, and they're looking up more than just the scripture verses to follow the pastor, but they're texting and answering emails and or if you walk out on the street, what do you see? Well, I, I see people walking around with their heads down and constantly te- texting. Or or once the diners open up again, um, some are now, 
um, it's not unusual to find people sitting across from each other in a diner where they could be fellowshipping with their heads down and texting into the ether uh, to who who knows where and um, interruptions. Any comments about that? Dan, I, I've been thinking a lot about uh, technology and uh, it's a blessing and it is also uh, a great evil, particularly with the companies and uh, the tech companies that are behind it, you know, they're spying on you every moment. There's oh, no yes. such thing. There is no such thing as privacy when you are uh, using technology, either th- through your smart TV, your phone, uh, your computer. Um, you always wonder why they're able to gear advertisements directly for what you've been talking about that day or something. I've noticed <laughs> that several times. Yes. Uh, they track everything you do and they can, uh, so young people need to be made aware of this. The second thing is that uh, overuse of technology changes your your brainwaves and mind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's been, uh, uh, in some circles, uh, some scientists are saying that it actually is changing the way our brains function. I'll bet. I don't necessarily think it's for the better. No. Uh, I, I would say that... Uh, uh, this is my own personal opinion that phones ought to be banned in the worship of God. Yes, yes. Because it is it is not necessarily even the reading of Scripture; it is the hearing of it, Amen. In the worship service that creates faith. Amen. Yes, uh, it's hearing. We 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 learn our faith through the ear, not necessarily through the eye. Uh, mm. uh, the eye is fine, but it is the hearing of the word that creates faith. And uh, that wonderful passage uh, in Romans by Paul indicates this. So I would say uh, that uh, that people who are using technology privately in the worship service, uh, even if they're trying to go along and read Scripture, uh, is not a good practice. Mm. Well, um, you know, I'm going to have to um, cut you short because I just noticed the clock here, and we're out of time. Um, this has been wonderful. We've been talking with... Pastor John Vance. Uh, He's now retired, lives in West Virginia, and yet he keeps very busy. Um, All about the ministry of the church in a post-Christian, post-liberal, and post-constitutional society. Liberal in the classical sense. And if you wish to get in touch with Pastor Vance, you can email us here at the station. Our address is ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. And Pastor Vance, it's a great honor to have you as a friend and to be able to talk like this once in a while. We have to do it more often. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Dad. God bless. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer 